right. Praise the Lord. Thank you very, very much uh, once again for um, allowing me to be here and to pray. Will you pray with me? We're going we're gonna to lift up and we're going to pray um, for this um, young man and the ministry there. Join me in prayer right now. Jesus, thank you so much for, for Joshua and his heart to, to reach, especially, Lord, those orphans. And there's so many orphans in India. And I, I, it's, it's near to your heart. You said, Father, that, that Lord, real religion... Real worship, if you, Father, is to, Lord, to look after orphans and widows. And, Father, you are, you are attracted to people that have a heart for orphans and widows. And we do pray that you would bless them. Father, these water filters that have gone out this past week, um, I pray that every home that it goes into, Father, it will be a blessing. But, Father, that it will open the door for the message, God, of your purity and your, your love and that you filter out our lives and, Father, that you allow what goes in dirty to come out clean. Father, there's no greater, no greater message than the message of hope for eternal life. We praise you and we thank you and we give you honor in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. I want to minister a message this morning um, very quickly. Um, it's found in the book of Mark chapter 2. So you can turn on your device or turn in your Bible. I know some scriptures are going to be up here um, I've entitled the message this morning, <clears throat> Send Us and Spend Us. Send Us and Spend Us. I think most of us understand the sending part. We hear so much, especially when you hear missionaries, well, I'm being sent to Africa, or I'm being sent to um, Central America, or I'm being sent to uh, India, wherever it may be. And, and uh, there's some truth to that. But God uh, you know, doesn't just want to send us someplace, but God wants to spend us. And it's the spending part that is the challenging part. It's the spending part that keeps most people home. It's the spending part that keeps most of um, our monies in our pockets. It's the spending part that uh, allows us to remain in our comfort zones. And I believe with all my heart that uh, that God wants us to get out of our comfort. He wants us to, to not be complacent. He doesn't want us to be happy with the status quo. It is easier there. In fact, the scripture would tell us that, that uh, wide is the way that leads to destruction, and it's easy. But narrow is the way, and difficult is the way that leads to everlasting life. His call to us when he says, come and follow me, he said, if you want to come and follow me, you got to take up your cross and deny yourself and you must come and follow me. And when you follow Christ, Christ goes places that most people wouldn't go. Christ goes places where uh, the natural mind or the natural man doesn't want to go. Um, and so and not all of us can always go, but I believe we all can send and we all can go in our own way, in our own community, in our own place. And so I want to talk a little bit about uh, being sent and being spent. In Mark chapter 2, there's a great um, story that is, I think will encourage us. And it talks as of how we should be and how we should act. And it starts here in verse 1. We're going to be reading through verse 12. It says, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, <clears throat> and it was heard that he was in the house. Everybody say he's in the house. And it said, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. 
And then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And so when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Everybody say amen. <clears throat> and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves. You know what that tells me? God can read minds. He reads the thoughts and the intents of our heart. It's not always what we say, but oftentimes it's what we think. Come on, somebody. He said, but he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and take up your bed and walk. <clears throat> but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise and take up your bed and go to your house. Verse 12, immediately he arose and he took up the bed and he went out in the presence of them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Pray with me, Jesus, great son of God. I thank you, Jesus, that you can flood our minds. You can override our emotions Father, you can penetrate into our very heart and speak to us spirit unto spirit. I pray this morning that you would communicate to us your heart. I pray that we would be receptive to your heart and that we would fashion our heart to your heart. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I want to share with you this story because it's really important. I believe that we understand the verse one. And again, he entered Capernaum. Let us understand that Capernaum was, it was a hotbed for the miracles of Jesus. Jesus did probably more miracles in Capernaum than he did anywhere else. It wasn't the first time that Jesus had been in Capernaum. That's why I said again, it's important. This is a small word that if we're not careful, we overlook this because it is a key to the mindset of the four friends that we're going to look at because these four friends are going to teach us about being sent and being spent. You see, it's in the heart of God for us to be sent. It's in the heart of God for us to be spent. When Jesus collected his disciples around him and he was assigning them uh, and commissioning them, he, was, he, he gave them this command. He goes, look, I want you to go and I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cast out demons. I, I don't know about you, but if I was in that circle, I would have been looking around. I would have looked at myself and saw my inadequacies. I would have looked around at my peers and I certainly would have saw their inadequacies because that was a ragged group of dudes there. They have failed they would fail him again. They were weak. They were emotionally driven. They were uh, misguided. Uh, th there was a lot of things that they were that would have disqualified them from most pastoral positions today. But Jesus loved them anyhow, and he sowed them into them anyway. 
And this is what he told them, because if I were you, I'd be wondering, how can I do that? And this is what he said. Freely you have received, freely give. That was his, uh, that was his, uh, his outline to them. Freely you have received, freely give. So in other words, I'm going to invest into you and pour into you. And I, what I'm asking is that you will go and that you will be sent and then you will spend what has been invested into you. Now, it sounds really easy, but it's a challenge. These four guys are going to give us an idea of how we should do this. The first thing that I want to point out is that, one, we must be confident. These four friends teach us confidence. Put yourself in their shoes right now. I can't prove this by Scripture, but I believe that they were there the first time Jesus came to Capernaum. I believe that they were eyewitnesses to what Jesus could do. They had experienced all that Christ. Is there anyone here this morning that has experienced the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ? Is there anyone here this morning that has experienced the joy and the peace that comes with Christ? Is there anyone here this morning that has felt the healing touch of Jesus Christ, has had their mind set free, has had chains broken, that has been delivered? Come on, church, it's all right to get excited in the house of God. There is, has anybody here had an experience coming into contact with Jesus Christ? If you have, say amen. It's a good thing. Paul said, I have seen, therefore I preach. We have tasted, therefore he is good. He is the bread of life, and when we partake of him, it does something in our life. I believe that these four friends had heard the message of the gospel. They had heard the message of hope. I believe they had seen, if not themselves, being touched. But one thing they knew, they knew the presence of God Almighty. Pastor, you've mentioned you just felt something this morning. How many of y'all just have gone through your life, and there's times when you feel it, and I mean, you, you just sense that God wants to do something, or is doing something, or we're on the verge of something great. I will tell you, church, that God wants us to feel his presence and understand his presence and be excited about his presence. And one thing about knowing Christ, it should bring confidence. These guys had been, I believe, in that, in that meeting before or whether they had heard him, they had seen his hand and they had confidence. And instead of going to the house of God, if you see what happened, it says, and it was heard that he was in the house. The message came up, the posters went up, the, the alert went out that Jesus is back in Capernaum and he's down at such and such a house and he's going to be preaching and a healing service is going to be taking place. And most people hiked up their robes and took off running for the house. Come on with me. Most of them were so excited about getting to the church house where Jesus was speaking. Wouldn't you be? Come on, wouldn't you be? I mean, he was famous by now. By now, word had gotten out that he would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. He would lay hands on the blind and they would see that demons would come out, that people were being set free. It created a stir within the community. People were excited. They wanted to be where Jesus was. And, you know, and it's proven in this scripture here that they came to the house and they packed the house. Look at verse two. Immediately they gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. What does that mean? It means the place was packed out. I mean, they weren't social distancing at that time. They were wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder, pressed flesh together, and there they were in the house, all excited about the speaker that was going to be preaching. A revival was coming to their town. But these four friends did something a little bit different. 
They had tasted and seen that he was good. They had, were convinced in their heart that Jesus was who he says he would be. That Jesus could do what he says he would do. They believed in miracles. They believed in the impossible. They believed that God was on the throne and that the very Son of God was there. And so what did they do? They thought of someone else other than themselves. They thought of their friend. And they showed great confidence. Hebrews 10.35 tells us, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great Reward. I will tell you that, that we live in a time where I believe believers need to become confident again. We need to become uh, confident in not our ability, not, um, uh, not our government, not our church structures, not even our pastors and our leaders, but we need to become confident in Christ. There is something powerful about the confidence of Christ. It's not arrogant, it's not proud, it's not boastful, but it is sure, it is solid, it is consistent, it is hopeful. I will tell you, people are attracted to confident people. Come on, somebody. We are in the midst of a pandemic. We're in the midst of getting a small taste of what most of the world has lived every day for thousands of years. This is nothing new. If you go, I was in Cambodia and in Vietnam a few years back and everybody was wearing masks. And it wasn't even a pandemic. It was in a place where it was illegal to be uh, and have a church service. Um, I, I, I've seen and experienced things where people um, would walk miles upon miles to get to church. People would not want to leave the church all day. They, people experienced the shortage of food, the challenge of just enough water and enough food for every day is an everyday existence for them. I will tell you, though, that God, we can have confidence in God. Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. These young men thought of others and not just themselves. They teach us to be confident. We need to become confident again. We need to get our swagger back. Come on, church. Who do we serve? Who do we serve today? Who is ours? Is greater than he that is in us? Is greater than he that is in the world? Is, is the one whom we serve, is the Christ who lives in us? Has he been diminished? Is he, is he gone, fallen off the throne? Is he shaken uh, by the circumstances our world finds us in? Is he moved? Is he deafened? Is his hand been shortened? What kind of God do we serve this morning? Do we serve a risen Savior who is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do? We can have that kind of confidence and we can be sure that our God will do what he says and it gives us boldness to begin to pray for people. It gives us boldness to begin to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We've become, uh, in many ways, we've become so consumed with other things and distracted and we've wanted to run to the church to sit at the feet of Jesus that we forgot that God's greatest heart is to reach out. God is always desiring to send us into the fray. Will God send us into the battle? Will God send us into the darkness? Will God send us out? Yes, he will. We must, number one, be confident. Two, we must be compassionate. Here we see that these young men were confident because they didn't run to the house, they ran to their friends. And it said, immediately men gathered together so there was no room. And he preached the word. Verse three, and then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. They were compassionate. You know, um, that word compassionate, there's a place in scripture that says not to let our um, our heart be constipated or, or the bowels of our heart be stopped up. 
That word compassionate comes from a Latin word that means bound together. And we hear so much about, you know, about, um, you know, unity and it's really important. But one of the things that oftentimes happens, uh, you know, in times of difficulties is we have a tendency, our, our natural flesh wants to circle the wagons and to pull it in, to reel it in, to create compounds, to store up and to stockpile and to stash away. You with me now? I mean, it's, it's a tendency for all of us. And God, though, is not like that. God says, you know, when we're like this, that we are taught to be inclusive, but we, I mean, exclusive, but we are to be inclusive. We're not to, to turn in, but we're to turn out. We're not to, to, to be afraid, but we're to have boldness. We're to go when other peoples are running from. God wants us to run to the battle and not from the battle. Hello. And compassion is really is not just feeling sorry for someone, but compassion is something that is a movement. It, it, it moves. Don't, to, we need to be regularly compassionate for people that God would do that. And so these young men teach us about compassion. They just weren't confident that Christ could, could touch their friend, but they were compassionate enough to go to their friend. They were moved. They were sent. You with me now? They were sent. All of us are sent somewhere. We've all been called. Now, one thing about being called to people, I was called to Africa. I was called to start Hope 21. I was called to go and pastor church. I was called. No, actually you weren't. You were only called one place according to scripture. You were called to Christ. He called his disciples to himself. He went walking and he said, I want you and I want you and I want you and I want you and I want you to come and follow me. And when you come and follow me, then I'm going to cast you out and make you fishers of men. And you're going to catch men. We are called to him, but we are sent many places. And all of you have a place where God is sending you. He's sending you to work. He's sending you to school. He's sending you into the public marketplace. He's sending you out there. He's sending us out. And when he sends us out, we must be sent out with compassion. It's really easy to go out and to become jaded, to become hard, to become uh, skeptical. It, it's just, once again, we see people and we see how people treat people. And we see, you know, and, and we, when the words come out of our mouth. We kind of, you kind of get what you deserve. You play with fire and you get burnt. But God wants us to be compassionate people. He wants us to be tender hearted. It's not always easy to be tender hearted. Maybe toward our own family maybe toward our close friends. But I think the Lord says something about loving those who will love you back. It's easy, anybody can do it, and that's your reward. But when you love those who are unlovable, when you reach out to those who are going to reject you, when you take risks, when you step out, when you extend yourself, when you know that it would be easier, more comfortable for you just to rally around all of those in the house and not really go out, because when you go and have compassion, you're going to extend yourself out and it's going to cost you something. We must be compassionate. Hebrews goes on to say, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Remember, confidence. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, which is the manner of some, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. As we see the opportunity and the day approaching and the times in which we live, let us reach out and stir up love. Let us be compassionate. We all have it. Remember, freely you have received. Do what? 
Do you think the Lord showed compassion on us? How many of y'all know without the grace and the mercy of God, none of us would even be here? How many of y'all know that Christ, as he was being crucified, he even prayed to his father that those who were crucifying him, it would not be held to their charge. He loved them. I think it's amazing that we all understand and want love and grace and mercy, but we, don't, we often don't want to give it. God says, freely you have received, freely give. Let us be compassionate. So here we have these friends. They came and they went and they found their friend. And number three, they teach us to be courageous. Be courageous. Now here, here comes the spending part. So far they've been spent, sent. But now they're getting ready to be spent because it's going to cost you something. It is, uh, Paul said, I am like a drink offering. I'm being poured out. I'm being turned over and poured out. There is no pouring without being tipped or tilted or turned over. We don't like to be turned over. We don't like to be upended. We don't like to be, you know, uh, inconvenienced. It's comfortable, it's easy, it's not hard in this country really to, to go to church and to be a part of a group and to be a part of this and, and, and I'm all for that and that should be good but we should always understand that God has a purpose and a plan for us and he's called us and he sent us out and when he sends us out, if we're gonna do it right, then he's gonna spill us and he's gonna spend us. So now these four friends in this story, and I, want, I really want you to use your imagination now because these four friends, they go and they have to find their friend. And you can see the four guys walking up and there their friend is, probably right where they knew he would be. He was lying there, unable to go into the presence of Jesus because of paralysis. Now, there's a lot of reason why people can't follow the Lord. They can't enjoyed the presence of the Lord is because of paralysis. Do you know anybody that's paralyzed? I'm not just talking about physically, but we're talking about people's lives and they're bound. You know anybody who's bound with lifestyles and addictions and bondages? How many all believe that he's a chain breaker? How many all believe that he's a way maker? How many all believe that with all of your heart and you have so much confidence that if you can just see them in the presence of God, that in the presence of God, not only can their sins be forgiven, but boy, their life can be radically changed. That which is crooked can be made straight. That which is broken can be fixed. That which is messed up can be made whole. We serve that kind of God. We have to have this stirred in our heart again, stirring up the gifts of God that are in us, understanding that Jesus is all that he says he is. Let us be stirred. David encouraged himself, the Bible said. I believe because at that moment in time in his life, there was no one else to encourage him. His wife didn't encourage him. His brothers didn't encourage him. No cousins didn't encourage him. Friends didn't. His staff couldn't encourage him. And the Bible says David looked and David encouraged himself. Sometimes it comes down to that. You just got to reach inside and you got to say, oh, Lord, I believe who you are. And I'm going to repeat it until I believe it again. I'm going to repeat it till I feel it. I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to get into your word. 
I will tell you the days and the weeks and the months after we lost our son, there was times that there was no, no drive or no desire. I didn't want to read the word. And when I didn't want to read the word, then someone read it for me. I would get a card in the mail or we would get a phone call and somebody would share the goodness of God. It meant so much that God is able right in the middle, no matter what it is, no matter where you're at, the presence of God is. We can be encouraged in the presence of God. And we have to, I believe, be courageous to do these things. First Thessalonians 5.24, he who calls you is what? Faithful, who will also what? Do it. Y'all with me? Do we believe that he will do it? Do we have enough courage to step out? So they step out, they grab their, this bed, they pick up the four corners, and they had a plan A. This was their plan of action. We're going to pick up our friend. We're going to boogie on down to the house where Jesus is. When, people, when we get there, people are going to see this paralyzed man. They're going to consider his need before their own. They're going to part the way. We're going to carry him right down the center aisle of the church house. And Jesus is going to uh, anoint him with oil, lay hands on him, and he's going to be healed, and he's going to get up, and he's going to shout hallelujah. Come on, wouldn't we have thought that? Come on, y'all help me out here. I mean, that's plan A. Plan A is this how it's going to go. So they get him, and here they are, you know, um, trucking on down, you know, carrying him on down to the house. And when they get to the house, they find that the house is so full that they can't even get in. People are standing in the doorways. People are standing out on the front porch. People are standing, you know, looking in the windows. Everybody's wanting to see and hear Jesus because Jesus is who he says he is. So, and they don't even part. They don't even give him place. They cannot get him in. Plan A, shot. Obstacle, resistance, difficulty. Now, most people, especially in this country, that would have been it. Hey, they don't want me. That's it. We tried. We did our best. They could have laid him down right there. They could have set him out there in the yard. They could have said, you know what? You know, we did our best. We gave it an effort. This is where they showed courage. They didn't just show courage, but they also showed creativity. How can we get this? They were determined. You want to you you be challenged by God's word? How determined were they to get their friend into the presence of Jesus? How much did they believe if they could just get him into the presence of Jesus, he would be made whole? If they, how much did they believe? How much were they putting uh, his need before their own needs? They were inconvenienced, and so this is what they did. Now, remember, this is not their house. Real important. Y'all, some of y'all know this story. I can see the, the story already going in your mind. So they take this man and they go up the little hill that that house was built into the side, and they go up on the roof, and they begin to dig. And they begin to tear up timbers and sod. I don't know if you've ever, ever done any roofing work or not. It is hard, difficult work. No power tools, just their hands. Maybe a shovel, maybe a stick, maybe a, some other tool. But they started digging away at the roof. Now, this was courageous because they were tearing open something that was going to probably cost them. Who's going to pay for that? What are people going to think? Who does that? 
creative because they have to use their mind. They have to go beyond the obstacle. They have to say, how can we do this? You know, we have to be creative now. We've been, for a year, we've had to do church different. And instead of whining and groaning and complaining all the time, which we do, which I do, we just have to learn. We have to adapt. We have to adjust. How bad do we want it? Our good friend Ted Manning just posted something. He said, the thing about people getting used to being out of church is they'll get used to it. So when this thing is changed back and the doors are open back, or are people going to come back? I don't know. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to test people's heart. How determined are we? How determined are we to carry on the good work? How determined are we to go into the mission field? How determined are we to go into our communities? How determined are we? And when we face obstacles and difficulties, are we creative? Do we find different ways? Do we find a way around? Do we find a way through? Pastor, you mentioned this morning that there are obstacles and hills and valleys and challenges, and life doesn't go according to plan oh, most of the time. Wish it, we wish it was all easy. We wish it all had those warm, fuzzy feelings all the time, but these guys show us great uh, courage by tearing open that roof, and as they're tearing open that roof, I can just picture in my mind, I have a very vivid imagination, and I can just picture in my mind Jesus sitting there or standing there teaching, and there the house is packed, and he's teaching on the kingdom of heaven, and all of a sudden, a little dirt begins to, begins to spray down. I can see him looking up. He knows all things, remember? I can see now as everybody else in the whole congregation, now their eyes are not on Jesus, but they're now on the commotion that's going up above them. Maybe they thought it was an earthquake. Can you imagine right now if debris began to fall from this roof? <laughs> Come on. Insulation began to trickle down and pieces and parts and all of a sudden light came through. Next thing you know, some guy was being lowered down by ropes. I mean, they had to be creative. They had to get ropes. They had to take a chance. It wasn't the safest thing to do, but they were creative and they were courageous and they lowered this guy down. And this guy's being lowered down. I don't know if, you know, I don't know how much this guy weighed. He probably didn't weigh too much, but you know, it took sweat and it took energy and it took risk and it took some skin in the game to be able to get this done. God wants us to have skin in the game. These guys are being spent, you know. They were sent out to get him, but now they're having to spend. They're having to use their mind. They're having to use their resources. They're having to take risks. God wants us to be risk takers. It's okay to fail. God's not offended by that. What he is offended by is we don't even try. I once wrote in my journal when I was getting ready to start a church, I said, I may crash with reckless faith, but at least I will get out of the driveway. Come on, somebody. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. It was courage, and it took courage. It's courage that, that forged peace treaties. It took courage to make changes. It took courage and risk and trial and error for the great things and accomplishments in this world to take place. And it's the same spiritually. We must be willing. Let us live a reckless, abandoned faith, trusting in God and having courage and creativity. And they lowered this man into the presence of Jesus. And I know Jesus looked at that man and said something really incredible. 
What did he say? He saw this man being lowered down. All eyes are now on Jesus and on this man. This man has been crippled for many, many, many years. And Jesus looked at him, and the first thing he didn't say was, stand up and walk. First thing he said was, your faith has made you whole. Your sins are forgiven. I don't know how much faith this guy really showed in our day and time. We said, well, that wasn't his faith. That was the faith of his friends. But their faith was contagious enough to impact him. He allowed himself to be lowered down into the presence of God. Your faith has made you whole. Their actions made a difference in his spiritual life. Your actions make a difference in other people's spiritual life. That is an awesome responsibility. It's actually a scary responsibility. If God has called us and he sent us out and we're willing to spend ourselves to understand that that will not just make a difference in a person's life now. Sending those water filters makes a difference in a person's life, but it will impact them throughout eternity. To me, that's sobering. That's why it won't let us rest. That's why it won't let us celebrate but so much because we will have an eternity to celebrate victories but only a short time to win them. Work while it's day. Let us put our hand on the plow and dig now. Let us, let us be busy about uh, our Father's kingdom and his business. Let us, let us sow into people's lives. Let us spend ourselves, pour ourselves out, take our risk. Let us be courageous and creative. And so here we have everybody looking on. We see the religious folks thinking in their hearts and their minds to themselves and Jesus reading their thoughts. And he perceived what they were thinking. And their thinking was, well, how can he do this? This is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins? And Jesus turned around and he challenged them. He said, well, which is harder? To say that a person's sin is forgiven or to say take up your bed and walk and be healed. They would have been okay with the healing, but they had a trouble with the forgiving of sin. Jesus, I think, in a, a way of putting one on them, he looked, turned at the man without letting them even answer, and he said, take up your bed and walk. Now it's this man's turn. Remember, to whom... Much is given, much is required. Freely you have received, freely give. Remember, he had been let down through the roof. And that's why I like verse 12. Because he said that he took up the bed that he had slept on, laid on, and been on for, for many, many, many years. And he rolled it up. And he put it under his arm and out of the house which he was lowered down through, he walked out the way that they wouldn't let him in. In the midst of them all. Living our life, and that's why my last point is be contagious. Walk and be a living miracle. Be a living testimony. Be a walking testimony. 
serve God, love God. Those things that God has done for you, offer to other people. And I don't know that we ever hear from this guy again, but I had a feeling that from that day on, no matter where we went or where Jesus went, he probably shared his story. Our story, his glory. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, thank you that you still stir men and women and boys and girls. I pray that you would stir our hearts today, that you would stir us, Lord, and understand that you want to you wanna freely give to us. If there's any here that, that needs something from the Lord this morning, no matter who you are, if you're here and you need forgiveness, we, we all find ourselves at that place often <clears throat> where we need forgiveness. If you're here and you need forgiveness of sins or sins that you've committed or sins that you've, um, you know, uh, not done something that you should have done or you shouldn't have done something and you did it, whatever it is, the Lord is here and his presence is able to forgive us when we say, oh, Lord, I receive your forgiveness. If you're here, receive that. Freely you can receive his grace and his mercy again today. If you're here and you have a need and you, you're, you just need your mind touched, maybe your body needs a touch today, uh, we pray and lift up your needs today. Lift up your need before him and the Lord will touch you and will bless you and he will give to you. But Lord, the Lord also sends you from this place today and his requirement and, and his desire for you is that he would send you out for you to give what you have freely received that you would freely give. Share with somebody, touch somebody, pray for somebody, minister to somebody, go out, do something, whatever God has called you to do. Whatever God has sent you out to do, do it. Do it with confidence. Do it with compassion. Do it with courage. And be contagious that other people will sense and know that God is real in your life and they sense the presence of God on you and God will use you to do all the things that he's called you to do. Father, I thank you and I praise you and we give you glory in Jesus' name.